are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw at ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Thursday, everybody. I had to look around. I was like, what day is it? It's Thursday. It's high school football day for me as well. I'll be on the road in Lynette, Alabama to watch the Lee Scott Warriors take on the Springwood School Wildcats. So I'm a little bit jumbled up today in my mind scrabble going on in my mind but i'm pumped good show playing for today yeah and i i I as well today's been a little chaotic but man that weather has really set the tone for today it's been absolutely beautiful heck yeah it has crisp air you look up into the sky it's a wintry kind of blue or a fall light kind of blue the sky just looks different when it gets colder outside i don't know if people know what i mean by that but it just looks different it feels different It's just a great day out there. I hope everybody is enjoying the fall weather, and I hope everybody enjoys the Thursday edition of On the Line. we got a lot of great things planned for you guys today. Several pre-recorded interviews coming up on today's show. We'll have Zach Blackerby of the Locked on Auburn podcast with us at 2.30 p.m., as well as we will also get to some high school football talk in hour number two when we speak with Buster Daniel, head coach of Lee Scott Football, and Eric Speakman, head coach of the Opelika Bulldogs. We'll also take a look at some of the other games games happening this week in high school football that catch our eye a little bit it's getting to that point where it is non-region play in the middle of the season game five for a lot of these teams out here game six for others just depends on where that bye week was taken and there's a lot of these fun non-region games that you get at the middle of the year and opelika central is just one to name many good ones coming up and so we'll speak with eric speakman opelika football head coach about that matchup and as well we will also continue to talk auburn football their upcoming game against georgia state among sunday showdown also we'll make some nfl picks today pack show yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun uh really excited about the uh the high school matchups over the weekend and then the uh the georgia state auburn game as well it's a game that you and i know i thought that would be it would be a really fun game heading into this season but Georgia State's not gotten off to the most consistent start so far this year. Uh, They're going through some quarterback changes as we spoke on yesterday's show, so it's still going to be a fun game, but Auburn should be able to take care of business. I think they're still figuring out what their identity is, which is not the same thing that can be said. At least I believe this. I don't think you can say the same thing about Auburn. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I think Auburn knows what their identity is. Three games in, there's been consistency on what Auburn has tried to do. Consistency on what Auburn wants to look like. Have they executed perfectly? Have they executed flawlessly? No. The Penn State game was evidence that they are still growing in a lot of those new areas on both sides of the football. But I want to ask you this question. Which side of the football do you feel like has picked up the new schemes quicker? Offense or defense? 
I think it's got to be the offense based on the way the two two uh, two team uh, two units have played so far this season. You look at the defense and the way that they struggled in the Penn State game. It just seems like guys were out of place. Guys weren't communicating. Missed tackles were being or weren't were uh, were all over the place. Uh, a, a lot of misdirections in terms of where Auburn wanted to to flow as a defense. And then you look at the offense and in terms of their flow. I mean they've. Uh, they've hit the ground running uh, offensively right now. Auburn's rushing attack is incredibly potent. The passing attack has not been incredible, and obviously that's going to come with uh, the growing pains of these receivers uh, being so young and inexperienced. But overall, Bo Nix has looked a lot better. The offensive line has looked a lot better. It, they've just they're just more efficient on that side of the ball. When you, again you look back at that defense giving up so many completions over the course of these first three games, and 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 not giving up big plays in the first two games, but then. Uh, we saw some things uh, go wrong in the Penn State matchup. It just doesn't feel like things are clicking as well on the defensive side of the ball as the offensive side of the ball at this point. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That is our phone line, our text line at 334-564-1840. Which side of the football do you feel has picked up the new schemes quicker? I'm with you. I think it's the offensive side of the ball. It's not like either of these two played flawlessly in the Penn State game but if I asked you this which side of the ball do you think performed better on Saturday against Penn State it would be the offense yeah the the offense was able to go out there and they were to whenever the defense would give up a, a just a just a bad drive just just chunk play after chunk play and then Penn State would get into the end zone the offense whereas under Malzahn it feels like in road environments as hostile as Penn State's they would fold. It would have been a punt. Auburn's offense did not fold. We saw them two or three times go down the field and either get into the end zone with Tank Bixby or early in that fourth quarter when they could have gone for it on fourth and one and sustained the drive, they got to kick a field goal to cut it within one. They responded with points. Now, with that being said, I don't believe the offense played flawlessly, and I think a lot of people have taken issue with some if it wasn't play calling or the passing game or abandoning the run I don't think all of those things are true could they have ran the ball more yes the passing game was inconsistent at best I didn't have a problem with the play calling I liked it I thought Auburn I thought Auburn looked good out there for the most part on offense or better than what we've seen in these road environments now sure it was just 20 points but it was 20 points against what is now a top 10 team almost a top five team in Penn State so I think at this point to answer the question that we opened the show with was which side of the football do you feel has picked up the new schemes quicker I think it's the offense they seem to be smoother out there they seem to understand what's going on and they seem to be in the right positions more often than not than the defense has even when the defense was playing poor competition. Right, and maybe the the word I used earlier, the, the defense flowing and how it flows, maybe that's not the best word. I think chemistry would be a better word yes. for these two units. Talking about the defense has just not been communicating. There's not been a ton of chemistry there on that side of the ball, whereas, like you said, with the offense, it just seems like guys know where they're supposed to be. Now, if the receivers come down with the ball every single time Bonix wants to take a shot, no, but at least they've set themselves up in the position to take that shot, and it, for it, the, the opportunity was there. And have the receivers always been in the right position no that's also not what we're saying I just think we've seen far fewer issues that are communication or 
scheme related on the offensive side of the ball than we have on the defensive side of the football which should give people some confidence moving forward because it's not a factor of talent Mm -hmm. it's not a variable of talent on the defensive side of the football they just need to correct some issues right now from a scheme position the question is will they do that because over the course of many of our lifetimes we have seen defensive coordinators offense coordinators just coaches in general married to their philosophies and many of them are stubborn not wanting to get away with it and or get away from it and the previous coaching staff was like that question is is this defensive coaching staff going to be like that moving forward because I do think some changes or just some general growth needs to take place in terms of what they're trying to run maybe they don't need to get away from it we could at the end of this year be praising this new defensive scheme you just need to see growth from the players inside of it and time will tell we really won't get to know about that until the LSU game coming up in another in another few weeks we just don't have enough information yet about this Auburn team and I think a lot of people are trying to jump to that at this point maybe even you and I are trying to begin to pull conclusions because that's just human nature but I think one thing is for sure it's three games in and there's just not enough information out there you got to see how this team develops and and honestly after three games comparatively speaking to to a development trajectory like if I had a curve and thinking well where's this Auburn team at compared to where I thought they would be at or where I think they should be at I think Auburn is ahead of schedule in some areas at least most areas I think Auburn's ahead of schedule but in other areas I think Auburn's behind schedule and then some others I think they're about where I thought they would be but overall I would say that Auburn is in a positive place compared to where maybe most people thought they would be or think they should be at this point in the season I think whenever you look at that defense, I think there are a lot of emotions that were running hot after that game and a lot of people that were frustrated specifically with Derek Mason. But you go back and you watch that game again and you listen to what some of the players had to say. It was not just a scheme issue. There were times where players just simply were not in the right position. It's a mixed bag. It's definitely much, very much so a mixed bag. And uh, I I don't remember which player said it, but they said that it wasn't just the defensive line, the linebackers, or the secondary. It's a collective effort, and they all have to go out there and make adjustments to make sure that Auburn's not letting uh, up so much in the passing game. I've talked to so many different high school coaches over the course of my short career, even at this point, and many of them will echo the same thing. Every single player has to do their job. And if you just go to a football practice, if you, if, you, if you end up able to go to a football practice and watch coaches coach, they will tell you everybody's got to do their job. And if any one person doesn't do their job, it doesn't matter if it's away from the play or if it's right there in the thick of it. If any one person does not do their job of the 11 guys on the field, it puts the entire play in jeopardy. Puts the entire play in jeopardy. And of course, there are some guys that are more key to certain plays than others, of course. But if everybody doesn't do their job, it puts the play in jeopardy. And there were oftentimes on Saturday, all 11 were not on the same page completing their job, which is why I think at the end of the day, you see a 28 to 20 loss. But I don't think that there was all negative. There was a lot of good. And that's why I want to switch this now. I just mentioned the development trajectory where Auburn should be at right now versus where Auburn actually is right now looking at each of these position groups I want to compare where we think they should be versus where they actually are so we'll take a look at each of these these position groups and we'll say all right are these guys ahead of schedule are they on schedule or are they behind schedule they're doing better than what we thought 
Are they doing about what we thought, or are they doing worse than what we thought at this point of the year after we've seen three games? Two bad opponents, one good opponent, but I think there is a little bit that we can look at here and say, all right, where is Auburn at right now? And we'll look at each of these position groups in detail over our next couple of segments right here. But I want to start on the offensive side of the ball. Let's just break it down. Quarterback position. What is your posi- what is your perception of the quarterback position with Bo Nix, TJ Finley? Let's really just look at Bo Nix here because he's the guy taking 100% of the snaps. Where is Bo Nix at compared to where you think he should be at or, or what you expected him to be at at this point? Well, after seeing him play two bad opponents and then seeing him play a top 10 team on the road, you look at his his collective statistics, you look at him from a film perspective, You it's the eye test, you see how has he actually gone out there and played. Also leadership, I think you have to bake into it. The flow, the chemistry that you're right. talking about, how is he managing things? I would say that he's slightly ahead, ahead of schedule. I would I, agree. I think that he's not done anything to cost Auburn uh, in these three games so far this season. He's not turned the ball over uh, outside of that one fumble against Alabama State he has remained calm he has been poised he's been making right decisions something that you keep going back to he's been decisive decisive he's he's been that leader for Auburn that we've been looking for I would say that he's slightly ahead of schedule and the reason I that I only say slightly and not like oh well he he's tracking is because he's not been anything like wow you overly impressive like he's still he's still completed 55 percent of his passes on the road he's not been Bo Nix the college football conqueror you know like it's not like he's going on a tear right now or anything like that he's just not regressing he is progressing as a quarterback and I think as the season goes on you talk about drawing conclusions I think we will see after we get to see nine more games of Bo Nix we're gonna see him take another step forward and I think at the end of the year we'll say yes he uh he has um uh taken a taken a step forward probably a bigger step forward than some people might have thought I think a good word to use here with Bo Nix is I've I've been impressed I have been impressed with what we've seen out of Bo Nix and I was impressed with things on Saturday was it perfect by no means but I was impressed with what we saw in Happy Valley against Penn State maybe that's because the bar was so low going into that ball game with his prior performances against good teams on the road maybe it was so low that I'm just thinking yeah 21 for 37 no interceptions this is pretty good we can work with this right he made a couple of good throws nothing nothing that was a catastrophe so yes maybe part of that is that the bar was so low on road performances but he made some great throws he made some great decisions and there's evidence of true improvement there for Bo Nix and it's farther along than what I thought it would have been on the road. So I like what we've seen from him up to this point, and I like what you just said. Two weeks from now, we're going to get to see that put on display, and maybe, just maybe, it'll result in an actual win on the road against a Power 5 football team. LSU's not great. They're not good, I don't think, either, but they're talented. Yeah, absolutely. And again... I don't. I don't want to want to throw this out there and say that Bo Nix has been been a world beater, but he has been more impressive than he has uh, in the past two seasons. And we saw one road performance against a top ten team where he went out there and he didn't struggle immensely. He went out there and actually uh, performed pretty consistently. But we're gonna get to see, like Noah just said, we're gonna get to see him play good against LSU. And I'm talking about the entire first se- the the entire season. I think we're gonna see him continue to progress as the year goes on. And again at the end of the year he's still not thrown an interception now he will at some point this season but statistically he has done everything 
to win favor from Auburn fans. Five touchdowns, no interceptions. I believe he's completing 65% of his passes right now. That was, the, I believe, the limit that I set in the offseason, somewhere between 63 and 65% for him. He's averaging over five yards a carry in the limited runs that he's had. He's played well as a quarterback. Let's head to our phone lines now. Number to call, 334-321-1390. And we've got Ed on the line with us. Ed, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. But, man, you need to start. Just stop. Just stop with all this stuff about Bo and, and how pleased and how he's progressed. He has not. Listen, all the offseason, all we heard about, what was it? His mechanics. He's going off his back foot. He won't lean into a throw. He won't sit. He did the same thing. I think we only saw that a couple of times. No, listen listen to me. For you to act like he had a good game this past Saturday, that is freaking ridiculous. Now, let let me tell you something. If if, if Harson, if he wants to use both, he wants wants to really get any use out of it, let him run a little bit. Now, I agree with that. that. But, 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 but. As far as you saying that everybody's happy with it and everybody's – you are dead dumb out of your mind. That was a pathetic game by both. There were missed, uh, so many missed opportunities. And, and just, I mean, really, just get a hold of yourself and just stop all the well, – And I think you need to calm down a little bit too, though, because I, I, I don't think that it was pathetic. Yeah, he wasn't pathetic. I didn't say that. I said he was okay. But you you were saying he made all this progress and he's progressing. No, he is regressing. He 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 did this game what they had the first two games. They said he wasn't doing anymore. He went right back to throwing off his back foot and, and inconsistency. Just just stop and get a hold of yourself, please. Uh, and thank you. That was Ed on the line with us. Ed, we appreciate the phone call, my man. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. He did say it was a pathetic performance by Bo. And I do want to say again, we're not out here saying that Nick's is a world beater. I'm not out here saying he's focused and having fun. He's going to win the Heisman. I'm just saying, like you said, the bar has been set so low. He he outperformed what he's done in the past. He played better than he has yep. in the past on the road. So I was impressed based on the fact that we've not seen him. We didn't see him go out there on Saturday and play exactly like he has in years past. He made didn't throw better three throws. interceptions against South Carolina. Didn't throw three picks. He he went out there and he managed the game. Now, did he miss a couple of passes? Yes. yes. Was he accurate all the time? No. But also you can blame some of that on the receivers. And we, we, we could get into this, but point being, it's better than what we've seen out of him on the road before I'm impressed based off of that but statistically to complete 55% of your passes for 185 yards it's not great obviously I would almost go to say it's 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 not bad but pretty bad but still it's better than what we've seen out of him before so if Auburn wins this game how does the perception change uh if Auburn wins this game I think people say what we're kind of saying now is that Bo Nix has kind of taken that step forward and statistically, I think if if Auburn were to win this game, he would have hit one of those throws that he missed uh, for for a touchdown. He would would have hit that Demetrius Robertson touchdown. But again, it, it's not it's not a world beaten performance. Did miss some throws. It's just it's it, it's better than what we've seen in the past. And for for it to to say it was a pathetic performance, I disagree with that. A pathetic performance would have been three interceptions like he had against South Carolina or Florida in 2019. And it would have been to fold up as well. Let's head to the phone lines again. Number to call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We got Ty the Tiger with us on the line. Ty, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, guys. Um, 
man, I mean, I, I don't think it was a pathetic, pathetic performance, but I, I definitely uh, I don't agree with you guys' uh, take on it either. Um, he, he skipped a lot of balls that were open um, at the feet of, of some receivers. Uh, had some, I mean, I, you know, I remember, I think, I think one of y'all talked about it uh, Monday, but something that was weird to me that he, he threw a ball just like straight up, yep. like not on a rope. He just threw it straight up in the yep. air. Like, it, it like was there a duck. was a couple times. I mean, the receiver one time could have caught it. He didn't even know where the ball was. Um, I, it, it, the, and I, and I want to reverse the question you asked. Um, if, if, if we'd have won the game, would we have said it was because of Bo? And, and not so much if we had lost the game. I think – well, what I, I can't remember exactly what you asked. But yeah, I anyway, agree with that. I wouldn't have said that Bo won us the game. Exactly, exactly. Not, not, not – he didn't lose us the game, you know. Right. And, and, I, and, and, and that's debatable. Um, again, I think what, 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 what I'm disappointed in is the progression. You could see throughout the entire game that I, I felt like it was managed a little bit better. Um, we were prepared a little bit stronger. Um, our team wanted it a little bit more than I've seen in years past. Um, you know, I, I mean, when when uh, uh, McCain – not McCain. What was it? Who got thrown out of the game for targeting? Uh, it was McLean. It, it, it was McLean, yeah. McLean, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, when he got down of the game, I mean, he was crying. He was devastated. You know, and I just – sometimes you didn't see that passion in years past. I felt good about that side. You know, you have, I think you guys started off with departments with uh, quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Um, well, I just want to throw this category in there, the coaching. I felt like the coaching was better. I think, I think, I think we're doing more – I think we're doing more with less than we were last year. I mean, guys, you, I mean, you got to think a lot, a lot of what we lost, especially off that. I, the, you know, after the game, I kind of stepped back and thought about um, the uh, defensive line. You know, I know you ain't got to there yet, but that that would to me again. I don't think they lost us the game, and, and that's debatable. But they um, didn't help. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, we went no pressures, no nothing. Again, they again they didn't win us the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. They wouldn't. You know, and so that's what I, I mean. You know, we our defensive line is so depleted. We got Big Cat playing, um, you know, last Friday night with you at UCF, and and not us. And that I mean, that's just like just a bunch of those guys. Um, the big guy who got thrown off right before the season started. He was he he was missed very dearly on Saturday night. He would have been a monster. But coaching, I, I think, is a step. And I think that's a that's a that's a that's why Bo didn't lose us the game. Yeah, I think Bo's still who he is, and I think he's still wanting to do the same things. But this coaching staff isn't putting him in a, you know, isn't running a Statue of Liberty on third and fifteen. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's just being honest. You know, this coaching staff did a, has done a lot more on Saturday than I've seen from other coaching staffs. You know, I I, remember, I can't remember. You know, uh, five years ago, I want to say it was uh, uh, in. Death Valley, or not not Death Valley, what is it called, Clemson Stadium. Anyway, we played five quarterbacks that night. Yeah. We played five people at quarterback. And that you didn't see that unpreparedness Saturday night with us. That's why Kurt, Kurt uh, Herbstreit walked away and said, this was a this is a dang good team right here, this Auburn team. Watch out. He said, watch out, Alabama. I'm not saying watch out, Alabama, but you better not look past it. 
Hey, you Ty. Hey, I, I appreciate the call in, Ty. That was Ty the Tiger with us, 334-321-1390. Yeah, we got to head to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll keep looking at these position groups, tell you where we think they're at versus where they should be at this point in time of the year. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Ed and Ty the Tiger with us in our first segment for calling in. If you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Got a couple of minutes here before we got to go back to break again. Middle of the hour break coming up. Lance, I want to go back to those phone calls here. Talk about Bo Nix a little bit, quarterback position. Then we'll get to the other position groups as well. That's what we're going through. We're going through and looking at each of Auburn's position groups today and how are they in comparison to where we think their development should be at after three games? What are we actually seeing? Evaluating that a little bit. And quarterback position, of course, that is always going to be a hot topic with the Auburn Tigers. And going back to those calls, I agree with what Ty said. Bo didn't win Auburn the game. He didn't do anything really truly to help that. Did he lose them the game either? No, I agree with that. Same thing can be said about the defensive line. I think the defensive line maybe is a little bit more mixed bag, although they were great in run stopping. Poor in pass rushing obviously was that all their fault when you're getting double teamed every every single one of them had a double team probably not but we'll get to d-line later quarterback position though is i i I agree with that i think it was uh i i think you could say he didn't help but he didn't hurt either he's still not fully taking on what i've called the truck role he's been he's still a trailer still very much so relying on the help that he needs right exactly and again we're not saying that yeah. Bo went out there and, and won the Heisman. We're not saying that Bo went out there and, and threw five touchdowns and won Auburn the game. Like Ty said, and I agree with this, he didn't win Auburn the game. He, he just didn't lose Auburn the game. He didn't go out there and throw three interceptions. He didn't go out there and turn the ball over. He didn't go out there and make a boneheaded mistake or, or lose 10 yards on a sack that he shouldn't have taken. He went out there and was calm, poised, and like you said time and time again, no, I'm going to bring it back up, he was decisive. He made he, he went out there and actually made decisions instead of panicking in the pocket. And we're going to need to see more poise out of him in the future in order for Auburn to go out there and win games. Because, again, I'm not saying that he won Auburn the game. I'm just saying I'm impressed he didn't screw it up. That's all I'm saying. Yes. He didn't go out there. <laughs> he didn't lose it. I'm just like, yes. oh, wow. Not only did he make a couple of throws that I didn't think he had the ability to make, yes, he did miss a ton of throws. I'm not saying – I'm not I'm, I'm not arguing but that. But he made some throws, too, that he, we haven't seen him make traditionally. He also made a couple of throws that his receivers did not bail him out on. For instance, he th- threw a couple guys open in the seam. There were there was that one throw to Shed on the left sideline, and Shed tripped on air and couldn't get to a beautifully thrown ball right after. It was right after Nick's almost threw that pick six. He came back, collected himself, stood in the pocket, and threw a just a beautiful throw down the left sideline to Shed. Tripped couldn't come up with it and then there was the throw to d-rob that rob d-rob couldn't locate i mean it, again he missed throws but it wasn't like he lost all in the game also think we saw some evidence of him throwing guys open for the first time in his career like some of those back shoulders that we saw on the seam to kobe hudson john samuel shanker helped move the chains a couple of times but that's enough of the quarterbacks when we come back we got zach blackerby of the locked on auburn podcast with us on the line stay tuned Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Noah Gartner here with you, now joined by Zach Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn Podcast. Zach, how you doing today, my man? Noah, always a pleasure to chat with you, man. I'm good. I'm good. 
You know, there's a lot to unpack after last Saturday night and a mix of feelings from callers. I have a mixed bag of feelings myself, but I want to start. Let's take a look at each side of the ball individually. So my first question to you then is takeaways from the offense at Auburn's 28-20 to loss to Penn State. Okay, takeaways for the offense. Um, I think they got cute at times. I think it looked very similar to game plans that we've seen over the past eight years. We were kind of told it'd be different and have a different mentality, a blue-collar running style. We were preached fourth-and-one mentality all summer long. You had multiple opportunities to shine on fourth-and-short. Maybe not necessarily fourth-and-one, but fourth-and-short. And um, you didn't do that. You didn't do it with the downhill running game. So I think uh, I think the running game looked really, really good when they went with it. I think the passing game looked inconsistent. I think the offensive line looked really, really good. And uh, I think Bo Nix was fine. I think he did what he needed to do Saturday night. You bring up the passing game. You, I, I know I've seen stuff on, on social media, whether it's been some of your film rooms, whether it's been some of the things that you've written. I know that you thought that Bo Nix played a good enough game for this Auburn team to win, that, that it was not his fault that this team lost. So where are the inconsistencies in the passing game at this point? Uh, well, I mean, he's still, he's still pretty much a one or two read guy for the most part. But I think uh, I think he made some throws that guys should have caught. Uh, he, he had eight catchable throws that were dropped by his wide receiver Saturday night. That's a big deal. I mean, that's almost like a, a third or a fourth of his passes. What, he threw 30-something balls? I mean, that's a pretty big chunk of it. So I think when you look at that, that's something that needs to change. And we kind of th- assume this going into it, right? We heard rumblings throughout fall camp from the receiver position, but they just looked so good in the first two weeks of the season, we forgot about a lot of that. And then they started to get pushed around a little bit. They had to make more catches in space. And so... That was something that I expected them to look better at. They just don't have a clear number one guy. And I think that's going to bite them at some points in conference play. But we'll see. We'll see. It's, the season is young. They could possibly get it all together. But to me, that was the biggest inconsistency with the passing game. I think Bo looked fine. People are criticizing him for overthrowing guys. Like, I mean, that's a, those are tough throws to make. Um, there was there was one that I think was that was the most catchable. Demetrius Robertson just lost the ball in the light. So I mean that that happens. It's football in a night game. So um, yeah, inconsistency. I think it just had to do more on the receiving end. You bring up that fourth and one call where Auburn doesn't go for it; they elect to kick a field right. goal. Take me through you personally, live in the moment. What are you thinking? Uh, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. I think you need to go for it. I'm not the one whose job's on the line. Not the Harsons is either. But I mean, there's no pressure in me, you know, in my living room yeah. saying you need to go for it. So that's not a decision I have to live with. Um, and so I, I understand the conservative route. But you're playing a a team that you know a lot of people thinks a top ten team, and now after beating Auburn, they definitely are. On the road in a hostile environment, you've got national TV. You got the 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 eyes of the college football world on you. Be aggressive. I mean, Tank Bixby averaged two yards a carry after contact, and it's like you're telling me he can't get one yard in that situation when the offensive line has been playing really well. And I think it's pretty clear the weakness of Penn State's defense was the running game, and they wanted to attack it through the air a little bit more than I think a lot of Auburn fans expected or hoped, especially as the game developed. So. Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my thought process. I mean, Auburn was able to consistently get yards on the ground whenever they wanted to, and then they didn't choose to do that when it, uh, when it mattered most. Fourth and two, another fourth quarter call that had Auburn fans scratching their heads. What did you see on the fade route? Because I know, once again, you listen to Coach Harson talk about the call, possibly multiple reads. There was also the element of officiating there. What, what was your breakdown 
of the fourth and two fade route. Well, I'm going to take officiating out of it because I don't think that really matters when it's all said and done. But, you know, Harson after the game, was asked about it. He said there were four or five different options. That was the same language that Bo Nix used when he was asked about it earlier in the week on, um, on some other shows. And I believe that that is true. But as far as execution goes, as soon as he got the ball, he threw it towards Hudson. And I just I don't believe that there was a read involved there because there were other options that were open on both sides of the field. And they went with the one that was the, the lowest percentage. I believe it was a call. Were there options? Possibly. Um, according to Bo Nix, that's a play that they made consistently in practice because he threw to a specific spot. Bo feels like he threw it to that spot. Um, but Kobe got tied up with a defender, and so should holding have been called? I don't know. I'm not going to talk about that. But um, I would have ran it, personally. If I was going to throw it, I would have moved the pocket. We didn't really see much of them moving the pocket at all. I think that's something that Bo Nix can be really good at. But, um, yeah, when it comes down to it, you didn't see it. Running game. Let's talk about a positive. Running game was pounded it, and Jarquez Hunter hurdled a guy. <laughs> Jarquez Hunter, yeah, he Saquon Barkley in uh, Saquon's house. I think that was awesome. I think that was great. Look, every like four or five touches that this guy has, something crazy happened. Something really, really impressive happens, and so and it's outside of the offensive line's control too. It's it's something that he's doing. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Whether he shows elite speed or he you know makes three or four guys miss, or you know he just runs through tackles, or he jumps over a dude. I mean. His, um, he's got all the potential in the world. I mean, Auburn really found a diamond in the rough with this guy, and we heard good things out of fall uh, fall camp, and boy, he is absolutely delivered. He's been fun to watch. And then obviously Tank Bigsby is Tank Bigsby. He's, he, he's got a chance to, to score every time he touches the football. So, um, you know, once again, props to the offensive line. I think the biggest surprise for me outside of lack of pass rush on Saturday night was how good the offensive line played. Really good in the running game, um, average in the passing game, and that's better than I expected him to do. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, I thought that they possibly would struggle there, and so um, they they did good. If, if this offensive line, we said it over the summer, like if this offensive line could just be an average SEC offensive line, then this offense can look pretty good. And I think that was the case Saturday night for the most part. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Yeah. Six minutes later, what was your takeaways there? Um. Uh, I think uh, I think it was really bad. I think um, I think there are some concerns along this defense. The game plan clearly, Coach Mason thought that they could get there rushing three or four. That became very clear early on that that was not going to be the case, and there wasn't really a whole lot of adjusting there. And that's kind of something that Auburn fans were taking a lot of comfort in. Where if things weren't working, you'd see adjustments throughout the game. I don't think you really saw that. Um, Derek Mason seems to be married to this zone defense, which is a lot of scheme. And that's something that uh, at St- uh, Stanford and Vanderbilt he had to rely a ton on. Look, Auburn's got really good defensive backs, but their strength is man coverage. And I think this is just something we're going to see a lot of. I think this Auburn defense is going to run a lot of zone. And communication is going to be important with that, as well as just um, you know kind of knowing where you're supposed to be. And there were guys just out of place a lot. And when you uh, kind of pair um, inexperience in running zone with a poor pass rush, you're eventually going to find an open spot. And that's exactly what uh, Clifford and Penn State did. But run stopping graded out really well. That's a positive. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, yeah, you look at AuburnWire.com. We've got a story on the top 10 um, defenders from Saturday night based on pro football focuses analysis. And really all of them but um, 
Roger McCreary and Zion Puckett, uh, the other eight are our front seven guys. And a lot of them on defense up front. And then you got your backup linebackers like Wesley Steiner and um, and uh, Chandler Wooten that, uh, that had really, really good games in the linebacker spot. So, yeah, a, a lot of defenders had really good games Saturday. It's just the big picture just didn't work. Because when you play zone stuff and you don't get pressure – one guy not being in the right spot could cost you a really big play, and it happened over and over and over again Saturday night. The Cleveland Browns, you know I love this team, sure. and I want to draw this comparison here. Cleveland's got eight new starters on the defensive side of the football. We're seeing struggles right now out of the Browns' defense. they got talent. Can't lie. They've got Jadavian Clowney, Miles Garrett. They've got some excellent players, Denzel Ward. I mean, they've got talent on the defense, but struggling right now. And some articles written this past week. It's about communication. It's about chemistry. It's about eight new guys gelling together. I see a lot of similarities out of this Auburn defense right now. Half of it's brand new. We saw, I mean, how many transfers did we see come in and are playing now? Donovan Kaufman, Tony Fair, Marcus Harris, Bidarius Knighton. You see all these dudes come into the team. There's, you know, almost half the field is new guys out there. And on top of that, you're learning a new scheme. How much of this is chemistry and trying to gel together? I think the zone stuff will get better. But pass rushing is pass rushing. They pass rush at their previous schools, too. How much of that is just three guys, sending three guys and there were six linemen, though, a double team for each player? It's a big deal. That's a big deal for sure. Um, and we saw that a lot. Too much. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all we saw was three or four guys being sent. And so, um, yeah, and that's just what we heard all summer was, you know, fourth and one mentality and, you know, how impressive this 3-4 defense is going to be with just, you know, sending different guys and different blitzes and stunts. And we didn't see either of those things Saturday. Switching gears to this week's game against Georgia State. Georgia State plays the game a little bit differently than maybe we thought they were going to coming into this year. They've switched to a little bit more of this Spread option style look, you know, maybe you want to compare it to something that Auburn fans have seen. Go back to 2013. Auburn's going to be a lot of read options, a lot of zone running here. What are you expecting to see out of this ball game? What can we glean maybe from Georgia State? Yeah, they made a quarterback change going into their game against Charlotte. Their new guy runs uh, a lot. He, he ran it 16 times against um, the 49ers. And so that's going to be something that you got to think this uh, Auburn defensive front seven is going to be all about. And I think that's going to be something that when you look at um, the strength of this defense, I think uh, I think it's just kind of a, a mismatch there So, uh, in favor of Auburn. They do run a lot of two tight end sets. It'll be fun to see if they look at Penn State's game plan and kind of want to mock some of that up just to see if Auburn can adapt to covering tight ends running down the field. Obviously, that was a big... Uh, a big thing that a lot of Auburn fans were upset with in their performance with that. So that'll be something uh, to see if Georgia State uses two tight ends. They use a lot of two tight end sets. On the offensive side of the ball for Auburn, where do you expect them to attack? Because Georgia State is one of the worst secondaries in college football, giving up 17 yards per reception, opposing quarterback, seven TDs, no picks. They've got over 630 yards passing against their secondary. I mean, at this point, quarterbacks are having their way. Do you expect Auburn to attack a lot to maybe refine some of the things that they've had issues with? I, I think they're going to do what they've been doing. I don't really expect this offensive game plan to change a whole lot based on who they're playing. Brian Harson's made it very clear they want balance. And so I, I don't think it really matters what your strength or weakness is. I think this Auburn offense is going to do what it's going to do. I think they're going to have no problem running the ball. I don't think they'll have a whole lot of problems um, uh, passing it. 
And look, Shivers is going to be coming back. Is kind of what the assumption is that they're going to use him more to kind of work him back in, get him ready for LSU. Do they only use him a little bit so he's extra fresh for LSU to kind of ease him back in? Um, that kind of rotation is going to be an interesting one for me. But yeah, then like, what does the receiver rotation look like? Do they look at other guys? Do they give you know a Malcolm Johnson Jr. another look, a Zevion Capers, you know th- those kind of guys, uh, Elijah Canyon? Do those guys get more looks earlier in the game than they have in the previous weeks? That'll be fun to see. Zach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all your content. Yeah, Locked on Auburn, available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And also, if you're in the Auburn, Opelika, Lee County area, tune in to Auburn, Opelika this morning, every weekday morning on News Talk WANI. That is 98.7 FM on your radio dial. Thanks, Noah. Zach, I appreciate it, my man. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got about seven minutes left in hour number one here before we head to the middle of the show. Lance, it's time for our Sunday showdown, meaning we'll be picking some NFL games. Also, there's a Thursday night NFL game tonight. Carolina Panthers taking on the Houston Texans, so it's not all Sunday, but you know it's the nfl these are nfl picks yeah and uh like i said i believe i said this last week it's like uh, it's not that i don't care but you're not gonna see me pick at at, at a, as of a high rate as i have with college so far because Man, this this guy is saying I, I want to smoke in college but i don't really care in the nfl We're no a it's bit just, closer. i'm just saying that i'm not gonna <laughs> i'm just not gonna do as well just straight up just straight up i may i may know a little bit more about college uh but it, but nfl picks i love watching the nfl don't get me wrong NFL is harder to pick. It's just, it's, it's just closer. So much, right? Exactly. It's so much closer. It's just you can see, you can see a matchup going either way, unless you're playing the Jets or the Jags. In which case, well, we're both not go- doing great. I had a bigger week this past week, eleven and ten now. After I went seven and four, you went six and five this past week. So I'm eleven and ten overall. You're eleven and ten overall. So maybe there's some separation this week, aside from the fact that we really didn't pick that different. Let's go ahead and get one game in here before we head back to the phone lines. Carolina Panthers two and zero at the Houston Texans, who are one and one. Seven twenty p.m. That's tonight on NFL Network. Yeah, the Houston Texans have just not looked very good so far this season, uh, even though they were able to pick up a win. And Carolina, that defense is not that bad. Sam Darnold is starting to look like a competent he's quarterback. Better. I can't believe it. He doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't look like he's going to go out there like Bo Nix and lose you a game. I'm going to take the Panthers to go on the road and beat the Texans simply because it's just I don't want to say it's a failure of an organization right now, but they have just not been, they're not clicking on all cylinders. Well, you have to look at the Texans are one and one. You're right. Maybe it's even extreme to say, well, they're not a failure of an organization. I don't even think that we need to go that far and I'm not criticizing or anything like that I've been surprised by how by how well the Texans have played to start the year they were competitive with the Browns last week of course they won in week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars and handled them the Jaguars are awful but still handled them beat them 37 to 21 Tyrod has gone down with an injury though and now it is the 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 torch is being passed to third round pick Davis Mills the first pick of the Houston Texans draft they went quarterback I don't think he's the answer. It's going to be some growing pains for Davis Mills. How complicated is this offense going to be? It's kind of a mixed bag when I see a guy is making his first start in the NFL because a lot of times you see players show out. Mac Jones has looked really good to open up the year. I remember Baker Mayfield gets his first start, ends up leading the Browns to victory over the Jets. You start to see these guys 
that that just you don't know what to expect on the other side. You don't know what tendencies they're going to throw at you. But from watching Davis Mills last week against the Cleveland Browns, I have a hard time picking him against the Panthers, who I feel like have established their identity at this point through two games a little bit better than Vince Cully has with the Houston Texans at this point. Panthers are favored by a lot, too. They're favored by eight on the road. So I'm with you. I'll take the Panthers as well. Now let's head to our phone lines, 334-321-1390. We got Spectre with us. Spectre, thanks for waiting. How you doing? I'm good. I'm going to break protocol here and get back to what we were talking about yesterday about the schedule. Go for it. Okay. Um, I've tried to send you a text, and I screwed up really bad. So uh, I messed the text up, so I said, well, I'll just call him tomorrow. Go for it. What's on your mind? Okay. Remember we were talking about why Georgia was in the middle of the season? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You go back the last 10 years of Georgia's on Georgia's uh, yeah Georgia's schedule, they had the tendency of losing somewhere in the middle of the pack. They do, and uh, and I went back and looked at it, and out of those ten games, they always lost the sixth game. Really, six out of ten, they lost the sixth game. Wow! So uh, and now Auburn's got them on the schedule for their sixth game. So I think somebody was doing their homework when they made this schedule up. I hope so. I want to believe that. That seems that seems like that would be too good to believe. I, the stats back it up, of course, but like to think that somebody would go to that depth or notice that tendency. I'm impressed, Specter. You found it. That's good. Yeah. So I, I think that's uh, whether it's whether, whether Georgia gets injuries or whether they just get lackadaisical or whatever. Somehow. I think it's either last year or year before last they lost to Kentucky. Well, they lost to South Carolina a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, South Carolina. And I think that was the sixth or seventh game. Or, yeah, it was in the yeah. middle of the year. I remember it. That was the one that Rodrigo Blankenship hit off the upright in overtime. Yeah, but for their last ten games, they, six out of their last ten games, it was always the sixth, sixth, uh, sixth game of the year for them. Yeah, I don't know if that's exactly why Auburn moved it to the middle of the year because i still have still for some reason i think that they moved it because they didn't like the the georgia and bama back-to-back at the end of the year but that is an interesting note maybe it'll work out in auburn's favor if georgia's six and four over their sixth game of the season over the last 10 years maybe that'll work in auburn's favor this year it is at home of course yeah uh okay now i'm gonna get back to what y'all were talking about earlier y'all were still on the quarterback right yeah we were talking about quarterbacks earlier yeah um I mean, there's nothing wrong with Bo Nix. He just he's just an average quarterback, basically. That's about that's about all you're going to get out of it. And he's going to have good days. He's going to have bad days. And if he hasn't got his mechanics down by now, he's not going to get them down. To be fair, I want to ask you this: Do you think that this was one of his better games that he's played on the road? Um. As far as throwing, yes. As far as decision making, no. Yeah, he still had some. Still had some poor decisions in there. I think he still yeah. made some good decisions too, though. I thought he was decisive at least. I like that. Well, I mean, when you say decisive, I mean he did. He, <laughs> on that fourth, fourth and two on the goal there at the end of the game. Yeah, I don't even know what to make of that. I don't know if that was the call out of the huddle or if he made the wrong decision. I I don't know what that was about. Yeah, that was a. He got the snap, and he was looking there all the way. He didn't look anywhere else. Yeah. 
To be fair, if that was the call coming out of the huddle that he had to throw the ball there, I think he threw the ball to the right spot where you'd want to throw the ball in that fade route because that, that's a play where you throw it to a spot and your receiver goes for it, and then he got dragged down. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the time where his throwing accuracy was good, but his decision-making wasn't. Because yeah. he was wide open on the two-yard line, and he, if he'd have thrown the ball to him, Bisky, he, he could have ran, flew, or whatever. Spectre, we got to get out of here. Got you. Appreciate it, Spectre. Hope you have a good weekend. That's it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll be back with you coming up at 3 p.m. in just a few moments. You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 106.7 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Fun show today so far. If you missed any of it, go and find us on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. The phone calls are popping off today. And we have Travis on the line with us. Travis, how you doing today, my man? Guys, I had, Travis, had, he had better days than he did on Saturday. You know, uh, <laughs> Alabama gets our hopes up thinking, you know, they might lose. And if Florida can just learn how to kick an extra point, then, uh, you know, I think they beat them in overtime. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all our eyes turn to the to the, night, the nightcap in Happy Valley and then Auburn comes away with a tough loss. But, guys, I want to vent real quick. This is what's bothering me. You know, see it on social media and really all over the place. You know, Auburn fans have got to stop blaming the refs every time we lose. I mean, I mean, we all know that they had some missed calls. But if you don't understand by now that college refs are not good at their job, then you haven't watched enough college football. And, you know, as Auburn fans, we're quick to blame the refs, you know, the safety call and – and uh, Pritchett's pass interference and, you know, the targeting on the Kobe on the goal line. But, you know, if you watch college football, that's called 100% of the time. You know, college refs, they love to throw that pass interference and targeting flag. I think that's probably their two favorite flags to throw. Um, but, you know, at the same time, with, with the adversity that Auburn had with the refs, you know, that uh, they didn't call Bo being inside the tackle box on his intentional grounding. Um, they made Penn State punt on third down. I mean, that is just horrendous. <laughs> And so, you know, I don't think the refs were great on both sides evenly, but, you know, as far as – I mean, Penn State dropped a pick six right before halftime. Bo put it in the guy's chest, and, and he just drops it. That made it 21-10 to 10 before half. And then, you know, if Auburn comes out and, and fumbles and then Penn State goes up 28-10, that place is rocking. And then I don't think Auburn has a chance of getting back in the game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I try and take out the, the officials – but also sometimes there are instances, Lance and I was talking about this actually during a break not too long ago. You, you remember Saints-Rams in the NFL? Granted, that's the NFL and not college. And, and honestly, 
all levels of, of officiating should be better because it could cost a coach its job their, their job right but right. um yeah. you know that you think about that saints rams game in a playoff it's like that's an instance where officiating clearly had a hand oh, in yeah. the outcome you know and so i don't I, you can't completely dismiss it. it it definitely impacted both teams on saturday but like you're saying it was pretty bad both ways it wasn't bad one way or 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 the other and so there were some instances where Auburn really could have used the help, like a safety call or, or at least a look at it, and then some PIs as well. But then on the flip side, Auburn benefited, like the intentional grounding that you said and then the punt on third down. Yeah, and, you know, one of the positive things that I drew from the game is after Kobe's fumble, I was extremely proud of the way the offense responded. Uh, you know, that's that's not an easy place to play. And, uh, you know, they lined up that next drive, ran it right down Penn State's throat. Uh, my only question is after that series where you just dominated the, the line of scrimmage. I mean, you just – you ran tank and – I mean, they, they were just running the ball at will. And, you know, I'm not – why do we put the ball in Bo's hands again? Not, you know, that, that we went past happy or anything, but, I mean, I'm, I'm look, look, hear me. I'm not saying that I wish Gus was still our coach because I think Auburn made the right decision to let him go and hire Brian Arson. Um but Gus would have made you stop tank four times in a row the rest of the game. And you, you've got to feed your hot hands. And Tank and Jarquez had them on Saturday. And I don't think they were given enough opportunities after the first scoring drive of the second half. So I've heard that argument a few times. And, and I know what you're saying. I know you're, I know you're happy that, that Auburn has Brian Harson right now. To be fair, if Gus was still here, and I get what you're saying on his decision-making, his play-calling and whatnot, would the culture – that that we saw on Saturday on display because that's something that I don't think has been talked about enough I think this culture was put on full display on Saturday by how the team battled and responded and answered and I texted Lance after uh, Auburn took their first deficit of the game Penn State got up seven to three and then Auburn went right back down the field and scored a touchdown made it 10 to seven on the next drive I texted him and said man Auburn wouldn't have answered under the previous coaching staff here this might have gone south in a hurry and I, I I get what you're saying with the play calling um, but I, I think that Brian Harson's culture, that, that's a big reason why Auburn was in this ballgame as opposed to also decisions that were made. Yeah, I mean, I mean gosh, the guy told the media last week that, like, look, if, you, if you're not, not going to go there in the mentality that we're going to win the game, then you're not yeah. getting on the point. I'll find somebody else who will. Gus would have never said anything like that. No, he wouldn't. A 180, so to speak. But, I mean, moving forward, you know, I'm off the Penn State game. And, and if Auburn's going to have any success with Bo – at the starting as the starting quarterback, he has got to hit the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. He, he we can't have Dink and Dunk Bo averaging five yards completion and expect to win a game against an above average team. You just can't do it. College football is all about the big plays. You know, the explosive plays. Everybody talks about it. You look at Ole Miss, you know, you look at Alabama last year, not so much this year. I think they got a lot of the same issues. Um, but I mean Bo, he's just he's he's close. I'm I'm not saying that you know, he hasn't improved because I think he has. And I liked his demeanor on Saturday. I thought that improved more than anything. And uh, But he, he's got, you know, if you're going to go down to Baton Rouge and win, if you're going to go to Texas A&M and win, if you're going to beat Alabama and Georgia at home, you've got to be able to hit the ball 25, 30 yards downfield. Those seam routes, I know he was close, um, but he's got to be able to complete those. Yeah, I think I think the good of Bo Nix on Saturday was he hit the short and intermediate with consistency. That's where you get the 21 completions, but that's also where you get the five yards per attempt. 
He just didn't hit the home run ball. And that's a big, that is a big factor in this Brian Harson offense. They love the play action shot on second and one, third and one. That's how you keep the defense honest in this offense. And uh, he, he had a lot of pressure, but I also think he could have delivered and made better throws. He could have connected on at least one. He didn't connect on at least one. And if he does, Auburn may win the ball game if he just hits one yeah. of them. Because, I mean, you know, once you do that, once you complete one, the defense is going to start playing on their heels as opposed to playing on their toes. And, you know, they're playing on their toes to start the game because you got two of the best running backs in the SEC. And, I mean, and so their, their, their main focus, their game plan is to stop the run first. And so if you're able to hit a couple of those plays, 25, 30 yards in the air, then all of a sudden, hold up, I, if I'm a safety, I can't play. On, on the on my toes, and I can't help with the run as much. I got to make sure that the ball is handed off first, and then, you know, maybe a a four yard per carry goes to six or seven, and then you know it helps with your run game. It's it's a ripple effect, and and if he can't do it, then I I mean it's going to be tough to win in Baton Rouge. It's going to be tough to win on the road. We all know Bo has struggled on the road, but I think he did improve. But if he can take the next step, then that's when the team takes the next step. I agree with that, and that would mean snapping a losing streak that dates back to 1999. So that that's what it comes down to, and it stinks. That's like the fork in the road, the LSU game, because if they don't win that game, you wonder if uh, if this team not not that they fold or check out, but that's a game where you can say that these guys buy into what Brian Harson is selling them, and that they could either take off or it becomes a fight to bowl eligibility this year because it's that tough in the SEC West. And recruiting, too. It's going to help recruiting. You know, I was hoping yeah. you could get this game. And then, you know, I think people are seeing the culture. These kids are seeing the culture in high school. But you got to go down there. you got to win one. And if you can win one in Baton Rouge, and I think, you know, not only does it help the team as far as 2021 goes, but, you know, the 2022 recruiting class can see it also. But, uh, guys, last thing I got real quick, and I'll get out of here. Uh, just on the fourth down call, I don't mind the call to throw the football. Just you got to get Bo on the run. He's too good with his feet Mm -hmm. not to get him on the move. You know, roll the pocket and then just see. You know, let him look for a receiver. But you know, with his with his quick burst and his his athleticism, I mean, just let him try to cut up. You know, three four yards into the end zone. I just I think that would have been a better call instead of a pocket pass. I'd like to see him on the run. I hate the fade route. I'm with you, Travis. We appreciate it, my man. All right, War Eagle guys. That was Travis on the line with us. You know, going on top of that, and I'm not a coach. I'm not in a position here behind a microphone to tell a coaching staff what plays they should call and whatnot. Like, I do my job. I'm going to let those guys do their job, right? But um, you do look across the league. I watch a lot of NFL football. You do you do watch across the league. And one of my favorite plays to see called, and once again, I'm, I'm, I'm just a radio host. They're the coaches. They're going to draw up what they feel is best for their personnel. But – a play that is used often, that it's that rollout pass on the goal line. You see the fullback or a running back go out uh, towards the pylon, towards the goal line, and you stack it up. It's it's a rollout play. you got tight ends going out as well as a wide receiver and whatnot. It's a flood concept, and you have layers. You have three different layers of options to go to. You can go to the back of the end zone, you can go to the intermediate, and then you can go down to the pylon. And if all that doesn't work, you have DBs, presumably what I would think is in man coverage or at least in zone coverage, that are going to be in the end zone guarding their receivers. And if they don't come off their coverage and all of them are covered up, guess what you can do? 
run it in with your quarterback. And so I'm with Travis there. I understand. Get get the pocket moving. Zach said it earlier in our interview as well. Was that Blackerby of the Locked On Auburn podcast? Move the pocket around. Auburn doesn't do that a whole lot, at least not out of this stage. Will they? It's three games in. This offense is going to continue to grow. Right. And I resonate with exactly what you just said. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not a coach even at the high school level. I couldn't tell you what play to call. Not even at the peewee level, man. I don't know. I don't know. At the peewee level, I'd just be like, hand it off. <laughs> Four verts, baby. We're going mad in Hand style. it off. That's all they do. <laughs> NCAA 14 read option every single play. Uh, but somebody did ask me on Twitter that night, fourth and goal, what do you, what play do you call? And that was actually the thing, the, one of the first things that I said was, I would love to see some type of rollout pass to kind of get Bo Mobile. like, you could run tank. Rollout pass, slants, Robertson on the out route that we saw last week. John Sh- Samuel Schenker is a hot route on a curl route, a swing pass, a, t- a toss play to Hunter or Bigsby like we saw. I mean, I, I like the play call to throw the football. Um, but again, I'm with Travis. See, af- seeing Bo Nix kind of roll, I think there are, were some opportunities there. But again, I'm not a coach. I'm to just be a honest, dude talking on I want to run it in that situation too. I have what I believe to be the best running back in the country – I, we, we ran a toss play flawlessly earlier in the ballgame on a previous drive to score. It was blocked perfectly. I would have liked to have seen there were two fourth down calls where Auburn didn't go to the best backfield in the country. Undeniably, Auburn has the best backfield in the country. We've seen it on display. We saw it in a major environment against a good football team, now a top six, top seven football team. That is the best backfield in the country. And Auburn didn't go to it in the crucial moments. I thought that was interesting. Also, can I just say, I think there were some questions in the offseason about whether or not Will Friend was was going to be able to coach up this offensive line, that he wasn't just a recruiter. Can we talk about how well the offensive line has taken a step forward? Because Run blocking and pass blocking. I think pass blocking is better. It's not great. It's average. But average is a heck of a lot better than what we saw in pass protection last season. It is so much better than what we saw last season. Auburn's only given up one sack. One sack for five yards. And they've been able to establish the run game so well. Did they give up a sack against Penn State? I don't recall. I I think the sack is the one that we saw at the end of the first half against Alabama State. I believe so. But outside of that, they played really, really well in such a hostile environment. Uh, Again, not world beaters. But I, but if you're talking about like they are in the ground game, right? What we talk about, what we were saying to open the show, show is like looking at these position groups and how they progressed offensive line, I feel like is way ahead of schedule in in both departments, both run blocking and pass blocking. They've been phenomenal to me. Well, we're not going to be able to get to all of these position groups today, so we'll save some of these for tomorrow as well. Let's at least get through the offense here in this segment. We've got some high school football coaches coming up on the other side of a break over our next two segments, so we've got to get through some offense here. We'll get to the defense on tomorrow's show. You're talking about the offensive line. I agree with you. I've got an up arrow. I either did an up arrow, a equal sign, or a down arrow for these position groups when I was writing in my notes today to say, are they above where I thought they'd be at or where they should be at? Are they about the same or are they worse than where they need to be at at this point? And I've got four out of five position groups on the offensive side of the ball that, I, that I've been impressed with, and the offensive line is one of those. Is it a finished product? Does it need to still improve? Yes, that's what I'm saying. It still needs to improve, but it's performing better than what I think people thought it would be going into this year. There's real improvement there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, pass blocking has just been so much better than what it what it was last year. It's similar to the Knicks situation. It's not like they're out there uh, establishing dominance in the pass block game, but they are so much better than what they were last year. 
I can't help but be impressed. And for, for them to only give up one sack so far in the season, and I don't, I, if I, I don't recall, but none against Penn State. Of course, there was pressure, but but Nix was not brought down. Uh, it's it's impressive, and I'm excited to see what this unit does moving forward, knowing that we only get these seniors for another nine games, nine or ten games. That is. Looking at the running backs, what's your opinion there? Uh, Tank on schedule. Uh, on schedule, yeah. I think he's I think he's improved this year. Well, I kind of well after seeing what we saw last year, I think he's good for 100 yards a game, and yeah. that's what he's done so far this season. And he's performed at the highest level that he possibly could. You don't think it gets better? Is what you're saying? Like you think he's already at max? I mean, if he continues to do what he do, he's doing now, he's going to have a fantastic season. So here's where. I'm at with Tank Bigsby, and I know you're not saying that he's performing poorly. You're saying he's performing great, but like that's like it's hard to get better than what he's yes, doing. It's right? very difficult to take another step forward yeah. past 120 to 150 rushing yards every single game. And, and and for Tank, a lot of his development will be continuing to grow physically as he gets older as a football player. You know, like that that is something that is put on a natural timetable rather than something that you can engineer at, at any time that you wanted to. Here's my take on Tank. He's protecting the football. He has not put the ball on the earth yet. He has mm-hmm. not fumbled it. And that was a major concern as interim Belichick knocks on wood. There's no such thing as jinx as Belichick. No such thing. Only God's plan. Um, and, and, and my thing is, when I, look at, when I look at Tank Bigsby, he's not fumbling the football. He fumbled it in the spring game. He had some issues with it last year. He definitely had issues with it in high school. He had enough fumbles in a game against, uh, I, I can't remember, was it against Opelika? Yeah, he played Opelika a couple years ago yep. and fumbled a few times. And that, that lost Callaway the football game, you know? So I look at it and I think Tank is protecting the football. That's something that he's doing better right now. I think that they can incorporate him more. I know he had a drop in the Alabama State game, but they can incorporate him more in the passing game. He's still breaking tackles, doing all the great things that we knew he could already do with his legs. He's a more robust running back. Pass protection is also something he's doing well. He's a more robust running back, and it's clear that he ha- like this is his backfield. He went into last year. It wasn't his backfield yet. He took over last year, but now like this is his backfield. And he's playing like a veteran. I, I I think he has. I think he's improved. In, 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 in that's hard to see. That's hard to believe because he was already great. But I, I do think he's gotten better in certain areas. And again, I'm not saying that he's he's bad. Yeah. I think he I think he is the best running back in the entire country right now. Uh, hands down, probably. And Jarquez Hunter is better than we could have imagined. And Jarquez Hunter, you talk about being ahead of schedule. My Woo. goodness. This guy's already an NFL back. Dude looks <laughs> Who wants him? incredible for The Ravens a need a running back right now. <laughs> I, hey, look, they could probably draft him right now and he would do just fine. But Jarquez Hunter has been phenomenal this season. Did not expect much out of him. You and I were talking about Sean Shivers being number two and being that guy in the backfield when Tank is not out there. But Hunter has looked incredible, not just against bad competition, but even against Penn State, he was averaging seven yards a carry. This guy is going to be something special. You look at next year, even without Auburn's offensive line, they're going to have Knicks back. They're going to have receivers back, and they're going to have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter and Damari Alston, a four-star running back, in an incredibly loaded backfield. It's going to be incredible to watch. It's going to be really fun to watch the rest of this season. Wide receivers, where are we at? Um, a little behind schedule. Think I, so. I think so. Yeah. Is I, that all because of this Penn State game? No. I, you look at both both the uh, the Alabama State game and the Akron game. Look, the scheme. You talk about whether or not the scheme is playing a factor into chemistry with these guys. Mike Bobo, I think, has been good as a play caller. Um, it's just you you start you've seen glimpses 
of drops. You've seen glimpses of just not not being where they need to be on every single play. Generally just tripping. Generally just tripping all <laughs> over the place. And I think this, the Penn State game truly revealed that, right? You got to see it with Shed. Um, you got to see it a couple different times with Demetrius Robertson. Uh, Kobe Hudson has stepped up. I'm impressed with his play. Uh, but overall, I think they're slightly behind schedule. I would love to see them pick it up here in this Georgia State game and see them progress as they go to LSU because SEC play, I mean, it, it just gets tougher and tougher as the year goes on because teams, even though they might be bad, you look at a team like Mississippi State, they're going to be more experienced. They're going to have things figured out a little bit better. So looking at this receiver core, they're going to have to figure things out as the year goes on. And I believe they will. I, I, I believe Auburn has enough talent in this room uh, to, to make it work. The deep shots, though, uh, like like Travis was saying, I don't think it's just a Knicks thing. I think you got to figure out how to get these receivers to learn how to get some separation. Uh, and I'm not saying stop throwing it to Shedrick Jackson eight times a game, but I'm saying let's look at what Shed does best and let's utilize him to the best of his ability and let's look at some of these other receivers in the room and let's try and see if we can work them in as well because what, we're, what we've done so far has not worked uh, perfect. I'll say that the wide receivers are about what I expected through the first three games after hearing what we – heard during the spring and also into the fall but that is also behind where they need to be at so it's it's kind of a mixed bag I expected this but they're also kind of behind where they need to be at and honestly I didn't fully after what we saw in the first two weeks I didn't expect them to play as poorly as they did against Penn State but they were a liability on the road this past weekend that needs to improve that's that's the group that is severely lagging behind at this point and when your quarterback as I've gone to this many times when your quarterback is not a truck he is a trailer you need the wide receivers to help you out a little bit they're not helping him out I'll say this though tight ends are playing great we don't have a lot of time to talk about them we got to go to a break but I'll say this the tight ends and you would agree with this this is more than we could have hoped for absolutely John Samuel (laughs) Schenker uh it has been has been a revelation in this offense it's been it's been wonderful to watch let's head to a quick break here when we come back we got buster daniel lee scott football head coach back on on the line noah gardner and lance Dahl with you on espn 106.7 and fox sports central alabama coming up at 2 30 3 30 that is excuse me an hour later from what i thought it was 3.30, we got Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach, and Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach. Two pre-recorded segments there that we'll get into coming up once again at 3.30. Before we get there, though, we got one more segment, and we will take a look at some of the other NFL games that we are picking. Coming into this, 11 and 10 are both Lance and I. Lance, it wasn't a great week for us in week one, but we bounced back last week strong. Yeah, and again, but still for me, six and five is just not is not going to cut it. It's hard in the NFL. Man. I'm gonna try and it's, step it's hard it up. to pick NFL games. They I'm, could go either way. I'm gonna try and step it up, but again, like I said earlier, can't make any promises. Probably gonna keep it going strong in college. Cannot say the same for NFL. All right, well here we go. We've already picked one NFL game. It was Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans Thursday night NFL game. We both went with the Panthers. Now. Sunday this one has me nervous as a Cleveland Browns fan I do not like to hear the words Justin Fields will make his first career start against the Cleveland Browns I think Fields is going to struggle he struggled in his previous game against the Bengals when he took over for the injured Andy Dalton but once again I go back to there's no film there's no tendencies 
for this quarterback as opposed to Andy Dalton and I've got to believe that the Chicago Bears offense is going to look vastly different than what it does under Andy Dalton versus Justin Fields if it doesn't then what is Matt Nagy doing what is he doing if he is not shifting this offense to Justin Fields' strengths which are vastly different than Andy Dalton's strengths scares me a little bit you don't know what to expect from this Chicago Bears offense there's no way to prepare for it so that makes me worried that he's going to have a big game now of course that's why sophomore slumps happen that's why rookies hit a wall because eventually tendencies are built you can see what they're doing I mean Jalen Hurts had a good start to his career and then what happened hit a little bit of a wall you see this year beats the Falcons game one what happens last week scored 11 points against the Niners there's tons of instances of this Baker Mayfield saw it when he was with the Browns I'm picking the Browns to win but I do not feel good about it a big part of this is because Cleveland is at home I feel good about this game and I'm gonna pick the Browns look Browns are favored by like six I think got a touchdown at home favored by seven according to CBS but six or seven it's a it's somewhere around a touchdown but Justin Fields in his first start like you mentioned this Matt Nagy offense abysmal regardless of the quarterback that we've seen over the past couple of seasons I'm going to take Cleveland to win this one. I think there's a pretty good chance that they cover. I think this is Justin Fields' welcome to the NFL moment. It's going to be hostile. It's going to be road environment. I don't expect him to go out there and perform like rookie of the year caliber, although I will say I love him as a player. Uh, I think he's a great – I think he was great in uh, college. I want him to succeed down the line, but this game, uh, I think that Cleveland goes out there and and they win. It's what I want to believe. That is absolutely what I want to believe, and that's why I've got the Browns there, but I do not feel good about this ballgame, especially with the way that the Browns' defense looks after the first two weeks. A work in progress. I think it'll get there. A lot of talent. Indianapolis Colts 0-2 at the Tennessee Titans, who are 1-1, 12 p.m. CBS. This is going to be hard to pick Indianapolis because I just don't trust uh, this, this, this Colts team, especially with Carson Wentz injured. Don't do it! I'm going to take Tennessee to win this game. Oh. I think they win this game. <sighs> <laughs> uh, the line is five right now. I think they cover as well. I thought you were picking the Colts. I was no, like, don't no, no, do it. No, I'm saying I can't trust. I can't trust Indiana, uh, Indianapolis much much less uh, with Carson Wentz hurt. Somehow managed to hurt uh, to injure both of his ankles on one play. It's wild. It's wild to me. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think the Titans go out there and they they make a statement. It's just be, beat a team that you should. Titans looked really good last week against the Seahawks. Looked like themselves on offense, whereas in Week One they did not had a lot of miscues only scored 13 against the Cardinals last week they looked like themselves Derrick Henry you know busting a 40-yard run down the sideline it's probably more than that but you know that big of a human being should not be that fast and not have you know like an engine or something like that attached to it I don't know like that's just not right but uh Derrick Henry just it, it just looks like it would hurt to like touch Derrick Henry right it, like it just looks like it would hurt and I, of course it would hurt to get ran over by him. I feel bad for DBs all over the place, but yeah, give me the Titans. I think they're going to get it done. Also, this is a divisional opponent. They're going to get up for this one. Very important. Last game here to pick. We got to do it quick. We got about a minute left, or really 30 seconds, that is. Los Angeles Chargers at Kansas City Chiefs, 12 p.m. CBS. I'll make it easy. Patrick Mahomes never loses in September until last week when he lost to the Ravens. It's not going to happen again. I, I like Patty Mahomes to bounce back in a big way against the Chargers. Agreed. And then you talk about sophomore slumps. I think Justin Herbert is going to two touchdowns, three interceptions so far this season. I think this is another game. We we, we will not see him regress, but it's not going to be what we saw year one. Throwing for a lot of yards, but has not had a great touchdown to interception ratio at this point. Spread the love, spread the butter, but it's not a... He's not bringing home the bacon in in terms of wins. We'll just stick there with the, the breakfast puns. When we come back... 
We got Buster Daniel and Eric Speakman with us here on On the Line. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Got two pre-recorded interviews with high school football coaches here in this segment. We got Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel and Eric Speakman, Opelika football head coach. First, let's take a listen to Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman as he previews tomorrow night's massive rivalry bout, non-region game, 6A versus 7A, but uh, take the gloves off. These two teams are going to go after it. It's Central Phoenix City against the Opelika Bulldogs. Here from head coach Eric Speakman right here. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Noah Gardner joined by Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman. Coach, how you doing today? Hey, doing good on this beautiful day. Finally got some good fall weather, so ready to ready to enjoy the day and get some practice in and play tomorrow night. You know, Coach, you're the second coach that I've talked to today that has mentioned the fall weather, and I asked him, does it put a little bit more pep in the step of your football team? He said, no, the the, the coaches for sure, a little bit older than the, than the players, but what's it feel like to get out there and then uh, and to have this crisp air in the, in the morning? Well, I think it does put a little bit of pep in the step for, for everybody, you know, finally getting – getting a break from the humidity and just the heat and, you know, practicing, you know, we have turf here, so it's pretty hot on, on the turf when we're out at practice at four o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, I'm sure we'll find out today. Yesterday was our walkthrough day. So uh, we started getting a little bit cooler weather yesterday and then today we'll find out. So I'm sure the kids will be bouncing around a little bit more just due to the fact that it's, you know, the, it's probably more the humidity than it is the heat. Moving back to last week, Coach, it was a 28-6 to win over Carver-Montgomery on the road. Take our listeners through how the game played out and what you saw from your guys in the win. Yeah, we started out with uh, what seems to be our normal uh, torrential downpour at Crampton Bowl uh, when we played over there. So the game kicked off in a you know heavy thunderstorm, and uh, we I think we scored right before we had a lightning delay. Uh, so we were up 7 to nothing uh, with about five minutes to go with the first quarter, and we had a... 45-minute lightning delay, so that you know put us both teams back in the locker room. And then after that, once we could get back out on the on the field, it rained off and on throughout the rest of the game, and came out with a, a 28 to six win. Uh, they had a, a pick six that they returned 109 yards for uh, a touchdown. So interception thrown, and kid did a great job of returning the ball. He's almost out out of the back of the end zone, which would have given them the ball to 20. And then he, I don't know if that's why some of our guys let up on the play, but he ended up returning it. So that was the only score they had. So thought defensively we played really well. Another shutout for the defensive side of the ball. And then offensively we did what we had to do to win that game in a rain, uh, you know, rain most of the game. So we, we tried not to throw it as much, especially once we got a lead. So, you know, got a win and now 3-0 and in the region and, and have a big game uh, this weekend with, with Phoenix City. Yeah, I, I, I think you just mentioned that, you guys didn't throw the ball as much, but you had a running back with 37 carries. Take me through that. Yeah, Caden Cooper had a great game. Uh, you know, we did not intend for him to carry it that much. Back coach Landers after the game was like, "Wow, you know, I didn't didn't realize he carried it that much because we normally don't have kids. You know, we might carry it 25, but usually not 37. But uh, we've got two running backs injured, and then we just didn't feel comfortable putting in our younger kids. 
with it being uh, you know real wet that night, and we had already fumbled twice, or at least put the ball on the ground. We recovered both of them, but you know just being a, a game where it's real slick, and you know you you take the chance. At the time, it's fourteen to six, so we didn't want to turn the ball over. And Caden's really good at, at ball security, and you know just has become a good work, work excuse me workhorse guy for us. So uh, he had a great game. We spoke last week about this team playing on a Thursday night in Montgomery, and I asked you if you thought the Sydney Lanier game would prepare them for it. And then you said, well, we're just going to have to wait and see, and it seems like this team's focus after a Thursday night game, another tough road game in Montgomery, and then a torrential downpour, it seems like the focus is in the right place as you guys handle business. Yeah, I thought we did. I thought we, the trip was, was better than the, the last time we went over, and uh, kids kind of knew the routine of once we get over there and where to go, and and everything seemed to be a little bit smoother. So I think, you know, we started pretty fast on defense and then the offense scored pretty quick uh, before the delay. So I think think everything was good. We're going to have to do it again at the end of the year. We go again on Thursday night to play Park Crossing to end the year. So be our third time. So should be a, you know, a very familiar trip for the kids. Of course, it's about keeping that focus as you guys are the only 3-0 and team in the region what are you seeing from around the region from some of the other teams as your group looks to hit their stride? Yeah, from what we've seen, uh, we've seen most of the teams either on film or live in person. Uh, we still have some pretty tough games on the back half of the schedule uh, next week with Russell County, who's much improved, and we have to go to their place. Uh, you know, They've got a lot of excitement going on down there with the new, new turf and new lights and all the new things that they've uh, put in down there. So it'll be a tough, tough game on the road, and then we have – Robert E. Lee, uh, who is still, you know, really good. Uh, they have one loss in the region, so we'll still have to play them at home and then Valley and, and Park Crossing to, to finish up the year. So I've, I said it a couple weeks ago, I don't know that anybody in our region is great right now, including us. I think all of us could beat each other on any given night. So, you know, we're just going to have to continue to play well on those nights and make sure that we're 1-0 at the end of each region game. And then this week, you guys are playing the rivalry game on the road with Central, which we all know what what that game means to both of these two schools. And before we get into breaking them down and what you've been seeing from them, of course, uh, sometimes non-region games don't always end up being the toughest for, for you know, 7A, 6A teams, how they schedule them. But you guys go out there, you schedule tough teams. And midway point of the year, this isn't your tip, typical, you know, four or three a team that you might be playing this is a seven a school it probably helps keep your team focused on improving rather than maybe taking a week off yeah it does you know that's part of the reason we schedule these guys and the other reason is nobody will play us uh which is a credit to our kids and our program uh it's hard to find games and so we'll just go play anybody anywhere and it's you know we played phoenix city and auburn for a long time we'll continue to do that and then uh callaway so you look at right now our Non-region opponents, I think, at the midway point through the season, they're 15 and 0 combined record, uh, and really haven't been tested by anybody. So, uh, you know, we hope to go over there, play well Friday night, and uh, play a, a really good central team. And, you know, I talked to the kids Monday about the fact that we have not beaten them since 2015. And, you know, we we talk about playing these tough teams and non-region opponents being really tough, but at some point we've got to win these games. Uh, it's not about just playing good and, and playing close. You know, we need to step up and, and win one of these, and, and maybe it'll be this week. 
Taking a look at Central, they had a tight game with Enterprise last week, 36-27 to victory against a pretty good 7A opponent there, but maybe there were some things that were exposed on film that maybe could be opportunities for you guys to pull off this victory that, you, that, you are, uh, that you're desiring. Yeah, you know, Enterprise is a really good football team. Uh, we've watched that film a good bit this week, and, uh, you know, I don't know that it really exposed anything about Central as much as it exposed that Enterprise is good. And, uh, you know, Central's a really good team offensively, defensively in the uh, kicking game. Coach Nix does a great job with with his program, just like he did up at Pinson and, you know, even back at Scottsboro. Uh, well coached and always in the right spot, plays the game clean. You don't see any cheap shots on anybody. So, uh, you know, it's the kind of opponent you want to play. You know what you're going to get when you walk in over there and, and you know, it's not going to be anything crazy and, uh, you know, you prepare for them and, and they're going to give you their best shot, and we'll give our best shot. What are the keys to tonight's game? Well, it's just you know what we say every week. You know, we we've been really good at forcing turnovers this year for some reason. You know, some years you you get a bunch, and some years you don't. And you know, we work on it continuously. It's not like all of a sudden we put in anything magical this year. Uh, we've just been able to cause. Uh, I think it's up to nineteen now through these first five games. So. Uh, we'll need to try to do that tonight just to, to limit their offense because they're really good on offense. And then defensively uh, for them, uh, you know, they're big up front, so we'll have to continue to run the football. And, and when we do take our shots downfield, we got to make sure we're completing those balls. We did a better job last week on the couple times we did. Uh, but, you know, early in the season we were not completing any balls downfield, so we got to continue to work on that and get better. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck tonight or tomorrow right, night. Thanks, guys. Yes, sir. Thank you all. That was Opelika football head coach Eric Speakman here on the line with us. We've also got a pre-recorded interview with Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. As they hit the road, they take the 29-mile trip right down I-85 up to Lynette to take on the Springwood Wildcats this evening. Let's take a listen to what Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel had to say. Back on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM. Noah Gardner joined by Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel. Coach, how you doing today? Man, I am wonderful enjoying this cool weather. Yeah, a little fall in the air makes you feel great. Yeah, it actually feels like fall for the first time. I don't know. Does that do anything for the team? Does that put a little pep in their step? Well, I don't know about the team. It does for a coach. You know, an old man, <laughs> I can feel that cool air. Puts a little pep in my step. Coach, last week it was a 31-14 win over Macon East. Take our listeners through how the game played out and what you saw from your guys in the win. Well, I saw our guys take another step forward and uh, and, and reaching the goals that they are, have achieved for themselves or, or, or set for themselves, not achieved yet, but set for themselves. Uh, you know, we got down early. We had uh, we, we threw a little swing pass to the lateral. They scooped and scored. You know, uh, I, I think the previous year, I think we, you would have seen our guys tucked their head and, <clears throat> and kind of gave up, so to speak, but but our guys didn't do that. They kept fighting, kept digging, and uh, and took the lead, and uh, you know just 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 never looked back. Of course, it was a football game that had a ton of rain. You look out on the field in between the hashes; it's a bog. We're going to have to repair the field, I'm sure, before we come back home in a couple of weeks. But it was all about the running game. It was all about the trenches. You guys played tough out there. Absolutely, our guys stepped up. You know, we we, we talked about right off the top. We had you know Jonathan. J.J. Uh, Myers, man, he, 
he's the uh, he's the bowling ball of the team. You know, he's a straight ahead runner and uh, tough inside runs. And you know, he led the team with like 120 yards rushing. So, and it was tough yards. He didn't have anything easy. But uh, yeah, the in the mud, that's the kind of guy you got to have. And uh, he got it done. You know, we had uh, Patrick Fudge also had almost 100 yards rushing and and didn't even start the game. You know, he came in about the middle of the first quarter. And I uh, had three touchdowns through the game, but he played well. And uh, both our quarterbacks, Ryan Deering and Tate McKelvey, had great games. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was just a tough, tough game in the mud. And, you know, we, we should be used to it right now because we play in the mud every week. So uh, we just got to try to keep getting better and, and can't worry about the conditions and, and, you know, whatever happens on the field. We just got to keep playing and try to get better. And you're right. Even outside of the mud, though, the running game is still at the heart of what this team does. It's about the quarterbacks, it's about the running backs, it's about the offensive line all doing their job. How are you seeing this team gel as we hit the midseason mark? Well, I see things that the the coaching staff and myself have been harping on about blocking for each other and playing hard for each other and doing things, you know, that's not usually recognized, you know, like receivers blocking. Uh, We're seeing Pete Lanier and uh, and Jacob blocking on the outside, blocking for the running backs, man, to stay on the blocks until the whistle blows. And that's what we've we've been harping since day one, and they finally started to do that. And you see the results from it. You know, our, our guys breaking through the, the initial line and getting out of open field and having plenty of room to run. And it's because guys are blocking for each other and the receivers are doing their job. In that game against Macon East, you had to turn to Ryan Deering to play some quarterback for you while Tate McKelvey was banged up. I don't call Ryan the backup. I call him the switch-in quarterback because these two guys really do share a lot of time and a lot of snaps together. The old saying, though, is that if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. But that isn't true here. You have two quarterbacks that you can trust to lead you to victory. Oh, absolutely. Coach Wade said from the beginning that we're going to play two quarterbacks because they both are very good quarterbacks and very good leaders. Uh, you know, they both can do the job just as well as the other can. It doesn't matter who you put on the field. And what that enables us to do is we take the other one that's not in quarterback and play another position, which we can use in, you know, an H or a receiver or whatever that is, and those guys do a good job out there too. I've had quarterbacks, running backs, cornerbacks – win player of the week all across this season it's got to be good for you and it's got to be an awesome thing to see so many different guys contributing at a high level oh absolutely you know i, I talked on the radio this morning talking about you know naming this kid and this kid this kid we named the whole team you know for for players of the night um, because they all chipped in they all did a job and you know we made some mistakes but we can correct those but i think for the most part they played hard it's the beginning of a three-game road stretch tonight. What's it going to take for your guys to be road warriors and go 3-0 and over this clump of road games? Well, we just got to keep getting better. We can't take any steps backwards. We got to keep harping on little things that we got to do better and uh, just do those things. And, you know, and, and if we play our best and we get beat somewhere down the road, we can take that. But what we can't do is take a step backwards. We got to keep doing the things we've been coached to do and just get better each day. Turning to tonight's game against Springwood, it's a team that is in a bit of a rebuilding period. What are you seeing on film when you prepare for these guys? Well, I see a team just like what you just said that is rebuilding. You know, they've got a new coach in that's trying to start a program. Uh, they, they were they were a pretty decent team last year. We lost a lot of guys off that team, and uh, they've got a lot of new players this year. So he's he's having to build from the ground up, and it's going to take a little while, just like it does every first year coach. Um, but yeah, they they definitely. Uh, they're not a team that that you that really scares you on the film, but we can't worry about our team we're playing. We got to worry about these guys getting better, um, and that's all we got to do is take care of ourselves. And whatever happens, happens. Of course, tonight's game was moved up to a Thursday night. Does that change anything for you guys from a preparation standpoint? You're no stranger to this. You play Chambers Academy for the first game of the season on Thursday night. 
no, Thursday night, Friday night, it didn't matter. You know, we're still going to prepare the same way. We may have to be a day less for preparation, but, you know, we'll, we'll add one. You know, we may come in on Sunday or something uh, to get better. But we, we've had uh, enough time as far as practice and preparation, but, you know, maybe not on the field because of the weather. But, you know, we still we, – we go in the gym, we go in the cafeteria, wherever it takes, and uh, we get our work done, and we do a lot of mental preparations on a week like this. Coach, last question here to you. Looking around the region at the midseason point, what other things are you seeing at this point of the year as your team's looking to go on a run? Well, you know, we still got two region games left, which is with, with uh, Bay Across and then Hooper. Uh, right now we're sitting in number two in our region, and we win both of those games, and, you know, we, we're staying at number two and host a first-round playoff game. Uh, so that's what we've got to – you know, that's our goal. That's what we've got to look forward to. And, and you know, you get into playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. You got to get in first, and after that, you know, if you have the breaks and you play well, there's no telling what you can do. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Good luck tonight. You got it, man. Thank you, and go Warriors. That was Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel on the line with us. We'll be back with more on the other side of this break. Back on on the line, wrapping up the Thursday edition of the show been a goofy edition of the show it's been a fun show too and if you missed any of it go and find the apple podcast google podcast spotify stitcher and iheart radio all right gentlemen we've got just a little bit of time left we've got about four minutes left in today's show time for sunday showdown lance and i are 11 to 10 we've already picked some nfl games now we're going to wrap up the thursday edition of the show with more nfl picks here before we get out of here and it'll be the drive with bill cameron and dan pack Three minutes left here, Lance, and we've got six games to go through. Let's do this as fast as possible. New Orleans Saints at New England Patriots, 12 p.m. Fox. You asked me about this game earlier. You said, what does my gut say? My gut says Pats because I don't trust Jameis Winston to go out there and have another NFL MVP caliber performance. I don't see it happening on the road. I think Mac Jones finds a way to get it done at home. You can actually also hear this game on ESPN 106.7. Some of our live programming on Sunday, pregame, 11 a.m., kickoff at 12. You can hear that here once again on ESPN 106.7. I'm going to go with the Pats. Justin, my gut as well. Something about Jameis Winston up to this point. He's been boom or bust. I don't know if he completely gets it figured out right here. It's going to be a bit of a defensive contest. Give me the Patriots. NFC, excuse me, AFC North matchup, Cincinnati Bengals at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 12 p.m. CBS. This is a trajectory type of game. Cannot rock with noodle arm. I'm going with the <laughs> Bengals. I'm sorry. Ben Roethlisberger, regardless of whether or not he's healthy or playing, can't rock with that team. I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I don't feel great about it. The Pittsburgh defense has been surprisingly poor in pass coverage at this point. High 200s. I think around like 280 pass yards allowed per game. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they're going to put up some points here. They didn't look great last week against the Bears, but I think some points are going to be put up. I'm thinking like a 20-17 to 17 type of win. Give me the Bengals in this one. Because it doesn't matter what defense the Steelers are facing. They're going to have a hard time scoring. Miami Dolphins at the Las Vegas Raiders. 305 CBS. Tua's hurt. I'm going with the Raiders. Yeah, that, that's the reasoning behind it. Tua's hurt. And even if Tua was healthy, I would still go with the Raiders. Raiders look good at this point. Derek Carr's distributed the football well. Now, on the flip side, the Raiders are dealing with some injuries, but I, I think they're going to be good to go. I think they're going to be ready to play on Sunday. This is the best game of the weekend in all of football, probably. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Los Angeles Rams, 325 p.m. Fox. Give me the Rams to win at Whoa. home over the reigning Super Bowl champions. Whoa. Matt Stafford gets it done. I went. I wrote down the Buccaneers. I don't know why. I think my. I honestly think earlier I was thinking this is the type of game that the Buccaneers fail in. 
So, but I did write down the Buccaneers. Honestly, no, I'm dead serious. Earlier when I was picking this game, mentally I said the Rams will win this game, but I wrote the Buccaneers. You're not going with your gut, Noah? No, I think my gut overrode my brain and wrote (laughs) Buccaneers down. I am still, look, I'll tell you, I I literally earlier thought Rams will win this game, but I wrote Buccaneers. I'll go Buccaneers. All right. That that was, that may be fortuitous. There you go. Here we go. Green Bay Packers at San Francisco 49ers Sunday Night Football, NBC. I'm going to take the Packers to win this game. I thought that first game with Aaron Rodgers was a fluke. I don't think we see that very often this season. The 49ers I don't think are as good uh, as their 2-0 record may uh, present. I don't know if it was a fluke because they didn't look great in the first half for the Detroit Lions. Also, man, rip to the Detroit Lions guy who had a parlay going, uh, and he needed the Lions to beat the Packers on Monday Night Football to win like over $700,000. Why would you and do that to yourself, man? <laughs> it was like a 16-game parlay, and that was it. That was, And they lost, and they had a lead at halftime. Man, I, man gut-wrenching. Yeah, I'll take Packers, too, in this game as well over the 49ers. I wanted to pick Niners, couldn't do it. We got one more game here. Monday Night Football, Eagles-Cowboys. Who you got? Cowboys. I want Cowboys as well. I like Dak over Jalen Hurts. That's it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back with you tomorrow, same time, same place. You know where to find us.